For sure. And I think that just does speak to how powerful your brand was, but the fact that you were able to bounce back up in, in that short amount of time too, shows that, okay, it was a dip. It wasn't like a full on trajectory negatively. Like your brand was so strong. Yeah. And is, but it's just, it's just a point of how important brand is and what people unconsciously think about you just by experiencing you. And so the consistency in social media and materials and events that we do, people unconsciously think Hannah is here. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? She shows up. (laughs) I invest in her. She's not going to take my money and disappear and go on holidays, you know? But anyway, thank you so much, Karine. I love that. Um, you could well, well we'll tag your your details so people can connect with you um if they want to build a brand um, and I'm going to pass it over to Sharon so I yeah. guess thank you so much uh, let me unpin yay okay so uh we've mentioned Sharon all ready today but I think this might be the first first time that you guys are meeting Sharon so Sharon is my OBM which stands for online business manager Sharon the way that I described your role is Sharon knows shit that I don't know (laughs) yes exactly do you want to define your role a bit better than that like I think there's a bit more of a professional flair that you can give it than what I just shared Yeah, I mean, and I have it on a slide that we're going to go through. I have a detail of exactly what OBM does, but I just want to say what my passion is for you, and that is to be sure that your vision and mission for the business is upheld and that goals are met. That's like the core of my being. So, but I'll get into more detail um, further on in the things. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. So I'm just going to pass it over to you then. And um, you've got about an hour. Okay. Let me... Uh, open up my PowerPoint and share my screen. There we go. All right. Um, Tam, can you see everything okay? My screen? Okay, got it. Let me move this out of the way. And we're recording. Okay, cool. So just a tiny bit about me. I've been working with Hana for a little over a year, I believe, probably a year and a couple of months. Um, and I've worked with some really high-level business coaches and online entrepreneurs, the seven and eight figure ones, Brendan Kane is one. Um, Hannah worked with him at one point, Gina DeVee, Fabian Fredrickson, Christian Michelson, and many other well-known people in the coaching and online business industry. Uh, that's mainly because I've been around for 21 years, <laughs> long time. And uh, I am a certified online business manager and certified digital COO. And I'm going to dive deep into what those are and the differences between the different types of uh, help that you can use in your business. So I just want to talk about our team because I'm sure Hana gets asked that all the time. So obviously, Hana is the CEO and visionary of the business. Uh, Tamson is the operations manager and right-hand gal. Best friend. I mean, I could say so many adjectives there, Tam. <laughs> You're just everything. Uh, that's me, the online business manager. Then we have Stephanie, our social media VA. And then we also use other contractors as needed, like branding experts that Corinne comes in sometimes. We have a podcast editor. We have a bookkeeper. So, um, you know, it's it's a fairly intimate team, um, but we also bring in other people. And then I also have a team of experienced techie VAs um, that do a lot of the technical work, the implementation for HANA on the back end. So I know how to do it too. I do a lot of it, but my team also does that as well. And so there's um, different types of team members that you can have on your team. Um, let's just talk a little bit about what they, what kind of team members they are, what they do, what they charge, and when you need to hire them. A lot of times people hire an online business manager and the business manager does have, doesn't have any team members to manage. <laughs> so you shouldn't be hiring one until you have a couple of team members and things like that. So. The virtual assistant, that's actually where I started out um, 21 years ago. It's just a final virtual assistant. My first couple of clients were previous employers. Um, and I really loved starting out that way and just learning the business from the ground up. And then I uh, increased my knowledge and skills and became a techie VA. And that's just as someone that knows a lot more of the technical backend stuff. And then I upgraded again and became a certified online business manager which is also known as a director of operations are kind of the same thing. And then more recently, digital chief operating officer. And again, I'm going to talk about um, what they charge uh, when you're ready for each level. And uh, I have a 
great quote here from one of the websites that I go to all the time. VAs are amazing at what they do and all growing online businesses need VAs. They are pros at what they do and take direction from the business owner or OBM. They are doers and they typically specialize in one to two areas. So that's the VA or the techie VA. And I want to make sure you notice that you, they have to take direction from you when they're at that level, the VA and the techie VA. OBMs manage you. So it's a little bit different. Um, and I just did a list here of different things that virtual assistants actually do. Um, and they're ideal to hire when you just start out and you don't want to get bogged down by all the technical details. There's so many things that need to be done when you're first starting your business or you're still in that first startup phase. Um, like customer service, answering emails, uh, calendaring, writing blog posts, checking email and responding, uh, proofreading, spreadsheets, graphic design. I mean, there's just so many different things, basic audio and video editing. Um, and not all VAs do all of these things. Uh, some people specialize. I've heard of VAs that are just, they handle email, so they do the customer service. Some VAs just starting out, they love graphic design. Um, Bookkeepers, you know, there's VAs that are bookkeepers as well that can help you with data entry. Um, so not all VAs do all these things. And um, I'll talk about that a little bit more, being really clear on what you need in your business so that you're hiring the right person with the right skills. So that's the VA. And I wanted to talk about the top five reasons why working with a VA can transform your business. So you might not realize it, um, but in the olden days, <laughs> you know, virtual assistants weren't even heard of. Um, you know, it was a big education thing for me when I first started because nobody knew what it was. But now it's pretty well known. Uh, and there's some really good reasons why you would want to have a VA. And so there's lower operational costs. Uh, you can outsource those tasks to the VA. There's less overhead, no payroll, no HR. They're all contractors typically. You don't have to give them medical benefits or office space. They work virtually. You only pay for the work that needs to be done. Um, and so it's a lot more uh, cost effective and your costs are lower if you need some help. And you don't have to hire them full time. A lot of times employees uh, want full time and that can get pretty expensive. It also makes more efficient use of time. So you can focus on the aspects of your business that you're skilled at and enjoy, you know, your unique abilities. It's really important that you focus on those instead of things that you're just proficient on. Like uh, you could do the data entry for the bookkeeping, but is that really a good use of your time? Um, and that also helps free up time for urgent matters and helps you prioritize your overall business goals. So they take care of the little things, you focus on the big picture. VAs also keep up with technology uh, and they can help you implement the latest trends and technologies. They can tell you what's happening out in the online space. Um, to give you the edge and stay competitive and evolve with your business. And they can also implement the right tools and resources for your business. So you don't have to learn how to use Keep or MailChimp or any of those things. That's not a good use of your time, but you can hire a virtual assistant that knows MailChimp inside and out and get things done quicker than you, better than you, and more efficiently. So the two other reasons, enhance productivity. They can implement tools and processes to operate more effectively, deliver better results in a shorter time frame, and speed up the process of getting everything out to your clients. Um, and they can give you an access to a larger range of highly skilled people. Um, virtual assistants know other virtual assistants. So if you're planning on using a new tool or something, they probably know somebody that knows how to use it, can bring them on or over to you so you're not having to look. So that's another great thing. And then it converts your business into a high-speed virtual office. You can literally work anywhere in the world. And Anna and Tam are examples of this. You know, they go to Mar Marba Marbala, Marbella, <laughs> Marbella, Marbella. Thank you. And then Hannah goes to Dubai. You know, several times. You know, a year and things like that. And nothing misses a step because the team is working. You can work anywhere from the world. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. And we also, um, as virtual assistants, you can also create SOPs and things like that. So when team members leave, it's a seamless process to get everything up and going again, because you've got standard SOPs or standard operating procedures. Somebody can just pick it up and go and run with it. So VAs can also do that for you. 
Um, and here's a techie VA. This is my favorite thing to do, and I get I get stuck over here because I'm I'm an excellent uh, techie VA, but it's not my um, unique ability. I have other things like doing the online business management that are more for me. But I get stuck here because I love all this techie stuff. So you need a, a techie VA when your admin VA or your first VA that you hire isn't capable of the more techie type things. Maybe they just do a great job at customer service and things like that, but you need to make changes to your website. You need uh, an order form link. You want to create an online course platform. You know, that's when you want a little bit more of a techie VA that knows all that techie stuff and can actually guide you on what kind of tools you want to use for whatever you're trying to do. Like there's 50 billion webinar platforms that you can use, but what's the best one for your business that's going to work with the other tools that you're already using. So um, they do a lot of integrating tools together, suggesting tools, brainstorming ways to be more efficient. Um, they can set up metrics and tracking Google Analytics. They can troubleshoot. We had a problem the other day with getting access to our website and you know we troubleshot it and we figured it out. Um, so there's all kinds of things that techie VAs can do. So I just have a nice little list here for you. And of course, there's more and more and more than, that they can do. And just like a regular VA, not all techie VAs do all of these things. They specialize in a couple of different things and a couple of different tools. So when you're looking for a techie VA, you need to make sure what tools you're using to make sure that they know them as well. And they can fill in the blanks of what you're trying to have them do and know how to do it. Because you don't want to spend a lot of time training uh, your VAs or your techie VAs. You want somebody that can hit the ground running. And that might end up that you pay a little bit more for them, but it's worth it because they're trained and they're more efficient and they're faster and you don't have to train them, especially if you don't know how to do what you need them to do. All right, so online business manager. This is what I do for HANA. Um, ideally, you're ready for an online business manager when you're making at least $250,000 a year in gross revenue and you have some team members that need managing. Um, there's nothing worse than getting started as a, an OBM and there's no team members to manage. So that's a good spot or that's a good time when you know you're ready for an OBM is you've hit the revenue goal and you have some team members and you are tired of managing them. So the OBM can come in and manage the full team, project management, all kinds of different things. Um, another name for this position is director of operations. They're very, very similar. And there's training programs for both online business managers and director of operations. But basically, and this is what Hannah asked at the beginning is, you know, what do I actually do? So we offer a high level of support in the business by partnering with the owner and managing the business, the team, and the owner to create a profitable and scalable business. And you might think that's really odd that I'm managing the owner, but um, not that I manage Hannah per se, because she's pretty smart, but there are times when myself or Tam will say to her, no, you're doing too much. We have to cut back, you know, so we aren't afraid to tell her no when something that she's trying to do maybe doesn't fit the vision for the business or her vision for her personal free time and things like that. She's taking on too much. So that's what I mean by managing the owner as well. We create systems, strategic plans, and handle the implementation and team management. And again, 200K to a million in annual revenue with two to 16 members is kind of that sweet spot. And simply put, an OBM is there to manage all aspects of your business, and that includes operations, projects, people, and metrics. They can even handle logistics, planning events, and product launches, and overseeing the day-to-day -day operations of running the business. So it's quite a bit, but it's basically exactly what the name says. We are managing your online business. So you don't have to. So you can be the visionary. You can create the new programs, have the great ideas, um, spend time away from the business to get more ideas and deliver the program, all that kind of stuff. You don't need to be doing the day-to-day -day stuff. And then there's the digital COO. So that's like the next level. Once you hit a million dollars a year in annual revenue, you probably want to step up to a digital COO, which is something that I also do. And we work with high level companies and it could be online and or brick and mortar. You know, maybe you have a spa and you need an online a digital COO because you've hit that mark and you're tired of managing everything. Um, and they create a profitable and effective infrastructure for the business. 
They do it by creating and using proven processes to improve the foundation of the business, creating a company culture, which is really important when businesses start getting really big. You have to have a really great company culture or you're going to have a high turnover. Also developing the leaders of the employees on, on the team and more. And they work at a much higher level, providing strategic direction. They take an ownership role and provide leadership for the business, the CEO, and the managers. And again, 1 million to 10 million plus in annual revenue with 10 to 100 team members are employees. And the thing that, to me, the difference between a digital COO and a plain old COO with chief operating officer, chief operating officer without the digital, to me, is more corporate. You've got offices all over the place. You're working with a COO and you've got 10 managers in it. And it's a big thing. Uh, a big company, lots of revenue, HR directors, all that. So the digital CEO comes in right next to the CEO and manages the managers and things like that. So that's the corporate level. To me, the digital CEO is those online companies, the um, business coaches, the entrepreneurs that have, might have multiple companies. Um, that's the digital part of this. So it's a little bit different. You have a little bit less... Um, like real estate stuff, uh, finding new offices for for different teams, things like that. That's the corporate CEO, digital CEO. It's, it's more digital. You might not even live in the same state as the CEO. So that's digital COO. And here's kind of just a synopsis of the different areas of the business that we work in. So we've got team leadership and management, um, which is one of the things that CEOs like to get off their uh, desk quickly um, because they don't have the time to manage all the team and the management and all that stuff and still be the visionary of the business like I was talking about. So team leadership is something that's pretty easy for them to hand over to the digital COO. And the digital COO also does the marketing, the funnels and the launches. And I should say, we're not actually like doing the launches. We're managing the contractors and the employees and teams that are doing the marketing, the funnels and the launches. But you have to know um, a lot about those things in order to manage those people. So ma marketing funnels and launches are really important um, for this role. And project management, you may have a full-time project manager for the business, but you still have to mentally prioritize those projects and guide the project manager on what the business should be doing in what order, what prioritization and things like that. And then the big thing is operations. You know, how do you operate the business? What happens? What are you selling? Um, who, what kind of team members do you need? And tracking metrics, KPIs, key performance indicators uh, are really important for a business because you need to make decisions based on metrics. You can't just say, oh, I don't like this product anymore. You really want to get the metrics and say, well, is it selling? <laughs> you know, don't stop selling something. if. Uh, it's making a lot of money. So you really, really need to track the metrics. And marketing automation, that's another thing um, that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, it's important to have certain things in your business automated. Not everything, but a lot of things can be automated so that they're more efficient and things don't slip through the cracks. Digital COs can also help you find joint venture partners and affiliates and manage them and create those relationships. I know right now Tamsin does a lot of that as well. Um, that's really important for a business if you want to grow, especially an online business. Joint venture partners and affiliates are really important. And then the financials and planning. Again, looking at the numbers, the money numbers, um, the profit and loss. Um, you know, you may have a million dollars in revenue, but if you're only getting paid uh, $50,000 a year, because that's all that's left after you pay the team and all the expenses, you know, something needs to change that so you need to raise your rates or you know, you're top heavy with the team, different things like that. So the COO is always looking at the financials and planning. And then I really want you to think of a digital CEO as the yin to your yang. You're the CEO and the COO complements your skills and unique abilities to round out the company. The CEO is usually the front facing person of the business and the digital CEO is the behind the scenes person. And again, a lot of you probably aren't ready for a digital COO, but I wanted you to know what they do and who they are, um, just so when you get to that point, you know what it's all about and you know that there's a next step for your management of your business. So I'm sure you guys are all wondering uh, if there are 
different price ranges for these different types of team members. And of course there are. Um, and what I want to also fill you in on what's the, when is the right time to hire a new team member and what are the costs? So a virtual assistant is basically a basic admin and they charge between 20 and $40 an hour. And I think that um, these admin VAs are super important. I started out 21 years ago, I charged $35 an hour. And I, I thought that was insane that I had people pay me that left and right. So um, it's important to know that they can be in this price range. Anytime is the right time to hire a basic admin VA. Uh, and it depends on their skill levels. If somebody is just a VA starting out, 20 bucks an hour is definitely um, what they should be charging or even less. And I also wanted to address international virtual assistants. There's a bunch of companies out there that say, you know, we can get you a virtual assistant from India or the Philippines for $4 an hour. And that's fine and dandy. And there's a place, a time and place for VAs like that. But you also have to manage them a lot. So it's not, it's actually costing you money sometimes when you use those overseas VAs, unless you get really, really lucky and find an amazing person that, um, really knows what they're doing. They, they're very experienced. And then they might charge 10 bucks an hour or something. But I get asked about international VAs all the time. They're great. Uh, just there's a lot of management involved. There's uh, language barriers as well sometimes. And um, yeah, so they're, they're definitely an option as well. But I personally prefer the US or Europe-based VAs. I have a, um, people on my team currently that are... Um, One's in Germany, I have a bunch in Canada, and the rest are usually in the United States. Techie uh, VAs, they charge slightly higher because they are specialized in what they do, either the tools and their strategies, and they're much faster than a basic admin because they've been doing it for so long. And those um, techie VAs can charge between 30 an hour to $100 an hour or more. You know, I know some, I, I'm certified with our Keep, which is a marketing platform that we use. And some of my friends that are consultants that use Keep and work with clients, they charge $300, $500 an hour. It just depends on what you need them to do. Um, so tech EBA is typically between 30 and 100 an hour, but it can go way higher depending on what you need. And you should hire a tech EBA when your admin VA can't do all the tech stuff that needs to be done for your business. I think I talked about that earlier. Maybe your admin VA only does email marketing, customer service, uh, and they can send thank you notes and things like that. But you start needing pages built on your website or a graphic uh, for the email newsletter, things like that. That's when you need to step in and get a techie VA. Online business managers, director of operations, they charge between 65 and 115 hour or more. Um, that's kind of the range. And you're ready for one when you are making at least the 250 per year and have a small team that needs managing. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. You can't hire an online business manager if you're making less than 100,000 because they are pricey. You know, if you hire somebody even 10 hours a week, at $65 an hour, I'm not gonna do the math because <laughs> I'm horrible about it, but that gets really expensive really fast. So you need to make sure you have enough revenue coming into the business to afford that online business manager. And a lot of times they make their money back. Um, there's an ROI return on investment on them pretty fast because it frees you up. You can do more visionary time, you can create new programs, you can create um, passive revenue because you're not doing all the little stuff, managing the team and things like that. So even though they charge more, you get more time freedom and you get to create more programs and your revenue naturally goes up. So that's OBMs and director of operations. Digital chief operating officer, um, they work a couple different ways, um, especially if you're a larger company, you may have a digital COO that is full-time. You just need somebody to come in, um, you know, four times a year quarterly and work with the team and stuff like that. That's a part-time or fractional digital COO. And you can also hire a digital COO as a consultant. Um, they just come in and clean things up and get things in place for you, systems and foundational things like that. Um, and another term for digital 
Chief Operating Officer is also an integrator. I don't know if you um, are familiar with Traction and some books by, um, I can't think of his name, but he has the Entrepreneur Operating System and he has integrators. And it's pretty much the same thing as a digital Chief Operating Officer. So if you heard that term integrator, it's pretty much the same as a digital Chief Operating Officer. So those are the costs. Um, and again, it varies um, where they live, their geographic location and things like that. So if you hire a VA that lives in New York City, they're gonna be a lot more expensive because their expenses are much, much higher. So just keep that in mind as well. So this is the question I get asked all the time. How do I find a virtual assistant? How do I hire them? What do I wanna do? What's the process? You know, a lot of times I'll see people post on Facebook, I need a virtual assistant. And all these virtual assistants respond back, but the person isn't specific. They don't say, this is the kind of VA I'm looking for. Is it full-time? Is it part-time? Do they have to be in the United States? There's all kinds of different criteria. So when you're looking to hire a VA, you wanna be really specific on what you're looking for. So the first thing I always recommend is for you to document the tasks you want to outsource. Sometimes that's hard to come up with that list, but a couple of things that you can do, you can do a time audit. You get a simple piece of paper and for like a week, track everything that you do, whether you're opening your email, sending somebody a log, anything like that, make that list and keep track of it and add up how many hours you're doing stuff that somebody else, a VA could easily do. So, um, and because you also charge a much higher rate, so you're actually losing money if you don't hire a VA um, to do some of those smaller tasks that you need to outsource. So get that list of tasks, projects, things like that, that you need to outsource. And then you wanna create a job description. I hate to use the word job because they're not really employees, but that's the best way to kind of describe it is creating a job description and putting in there, okay, this is what we're looking for. This is what is expected. These are the skills that I expect you to have. And these are the results that I expect this position to have. So once you've got what you wanna outsource, create that job description. There's lots of example job descriptions on the internet as well. You can Google um, VA job description and get 500,000 different ones. So you don't have to start from scratch, but first you need to document what you wanna outsource. And then you wanna post your job description online. Um, there's lots of places that you can do that. And that's on my next slide. I'll kind of give you some ideas of where to find these VAs. And then you wanna review the applications and schedule interviews. Um, and there's a little 3A in there is that you have to be really specific on how you want to receive these applications, what information you want. And I typically put something weird at the end. Um, so I'll say, please send your resume and your uh, time zone to Sharon at blah, 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 blah. And in the subject line, put, um, I don't know, pool noodles or you know something weird like that, because you can tell if they do that, that they've read to the bottom of it and they're not just filling out a blanket application and sending stuff in. So that's one of my first screening things that I do is I put something in that instructions on how to um, review or apply for the position so I know that they are paying attention. So once you figure out who is in your um, top candidates or your, your list of people that you wanna actually talk to, um, you wanna review those uh, applications, schedule the interviews, um, sometimes you can start off with just a quick 15 minute interview. I call it a culture interview. It's like a meet and greet. Um, I typically talk about the vision and mission for the business uh, and what we're looking for and want to make and their values. Talk about the company values because I want to make sure they're a right fit and they understand our mission, our vision, our company uh, and our values. Because that, if that's not a good fit, then you know we don't even go forward because those are really, really important to me. So I'll do a quick um, 15 minute interview. If at the end of that, I wanna schedule the next follow-up interview, I will do that. Um, if I don't, then I thank them for their time and go on to the next candidate. Once you have it down to your top three to four or even two, you wanna assign your top candidates a test. And what I mean by that is giving them a test project. And I always pay, my um, top candidates, their hourly rate to do this test project. And I usually use an actual project that I need done. 
and you give the same project to all of the same candidates with the same instructions and give them a deadline or whatever to get it back to you. And then I sit back and wait because I'll always leave maybe a little bit of key information out of the instructions to see who's really paying attention and isn't afraid to ask questions. Because that to me is one of the most important things about a good VA is they ask questions. If you're not clear about what you want, they need to see that and ask you, you know, okay, well, when is the whatever in the project or whatever. So leave a key information out of there and see how they do, how quickly they respond to you with questions. Um, do they ask you what is the end result they, that you want? The expectation of what the project's going to look like at the end. Is it just like a summary? Is it a full report that you can take to your board of directors? Um, just different things like that. And then look at what they submit to you. You know, is it polished? Um, are there typos? Does it do what you ask them to do in the project? Is the end result what you wanted? Um, and then look at also, like I said, whether they ask questions, whether they um, did everything properly. So once you have the results from that, um, what I typically do is I'll take that top candidate and I'll hire them on for a 90 day trial period. And we do some more projects, um, bring them on board, get them going. Sometimes that first 90 days is a very telling period and you know that you need to release them. And so maybe you go back to the number two candidate, but you wanna do a trial period and you wanna frame it as a trial period because you wanna make sure that they know that they don't just have the job, they really have to focus on what you're looking for um, and do a really good job. You know, Just because you bring somebody on doesn't mean they're lifelong virtual assistants. There's a lot of turnover in the VA world. So make sure that they know that it is a trial period. And then I just put a note here, delegation is key when hiring a team. You know, that list of tasks that you want to outsource, be ready to outsource all of them when you get that virtual assistant on the team and let go. Be very clear on your expectations and what you want. Make sure they ask the questions and things like that, but don't micromanage if you can at all possibly not do that. And then there's a couple of things too, when you hire a VA, if this is your first team member that you've ever had, um, maybe you had somebody under you when you were corporate or, you know, when you worked a job, um, it's a little bit different for a virtual assistant than virtual. You don't actually meet them in person. I've never met Hannah or Tam or Stephanie in person. Um, we see each other on Zoom all the time, but because you don't have that face-to-face um, -face, in person thing, a lot of times there's trust issues as well. So be ready to give your trust enough that um, they can do their job, but also be really careful about what you give them access to. Like if I just hire a brand new person on my team, I'm not gonna give them all my credit cards and my login to my bank account. You know, trust has to be built over time. So um, that's really, really important as well. And then there's ways that you can delegate and give them access to things um, that are more secure. Like I use a, a program called LastPass and I also use RoboForm. And it's an easy way for the clients to share the passwords with me so that they can also revoke access if I leave the team uh, and then I don't have their passwords anymore. So you wanna be able to trust them enough, but have a way that you can take back the access if you need to. Um, and also what I like to do also is keep track of what passwords or logins I give to which team members. So if they leave, I know which ones I need to change instead of changing all of them, because sometimes that's a big deal. So um, that's basically how you hire a VA. Now I'm going to talk about where to find them. And I must say, referrals from friends or other entrepreneurs is always the best way to find a VA. Maybe they have somebody on their team that's amazing and they share their information with you. Um, that's great. It's word of mouth. Um, you know that they do a good job because the person wouldn't have referred them, your friend. So ask people for referrals for VAs or techie VAs or even OBMs. And there are other places that you can find VAs. A lot of times in entrepreneur groups or VA Facebook groups, um, they have VAs in there all the time. And 
a lot of times the entrepreneurs will ask questions and the VAs will jump in and, and try and help them and be really helpful. And, and you get to know them as well. So if you have questions and you're in an entrepreneur group, ask them and see if there's any VAs that respond to you and get a feel for them. There's also VA networking organizations that um, help train VAs. So VA networking is one that I've been um, friends with for a long time. Tanya is the owner of that. She does a lot of VA training and she's got a way that you can look for a VA on her network uh, and get paired up with one. So that's, that's my favorite way to get VAs. Facebook groups, either entrepreneur or VA groups. Try something like VA networking. There's other ones out there too, but those are my favorites. Techie VA, pretty much the same as the regular VA, but you really, really, really want to be specific about what tools you're using and what you need them to do. Again, look at that list of different tasks that you want to outsource and have that be part of the request um, for finding that techie VA. Make sure they know the tools that uh, you are using. So again, referrals, Facebook groups, VA networking, um, that's a great way to find them. And you can put in there, a lot of them will have a checkbox where you just say which tools you're using and it helps match you up with the right VAs that already know those programs. Online business manager, director of operations. There are a few OBM training companies out there. I used to be a certified trainer for OBMs and they have directories and referral services. Um, onlinebusinessmanager.com slash OBM hyphen directory, the link right there. Um, that is the training program that um, my people have gone through and they're all listed in the directory. Um, it's my favorite place to go when and somebody is looking for an OBM. It gives you a, an idea of their personality and, and different things like that. So helps you kind of narrow it down a little bit to begin with. Or maybe you just resonate with their picture or they talk about their dogs. And that's fine. You know, you want to have somebody working with you that you like and you have shared um, hobbies sometimes. Or it's just you want to like the people you work with. <laughs> so get to know their personality. I think that's really important. And then digital chief operating officers, very hard to find. Not everybody, even if they're a digital CEO, is a good match for you. You really want to find somebody that complements your leadership style and where you want the company to go. If you are a business where maybe you're thinking about franchising, well, you probably want to hire a chief operating officer that's done franchising before and things like that. So look at your business and what your needs are now and in the future. You can try traditional job forwards like ZipRecruiter or Indeed. You can also ask friends for referral. And I will say some OBMs like myself, I transitioned into this role when they have grown with a business and evolved into this role. And I want to make sure you know this job search should be taken slowly. You don't want to rush through this process for the digital COO um, or hiring any of these as well. Um, and that brings me to... Fire slow and fire fast. Um, I've heard this tip so many times and I just like to repeat it and repeat it. Hire slow, make sure that they're a really good fit. If you know within the first 90 days that they aren't a good fit or even sooner, you know, if they start giving you some red flags, um, you know, release them. I don't like to use the word fire. I like to release members. It's just a, a different phrase. Fire seems um, kind of mean. So I release the team members. And um, I release clients too. I think that's one thing that, and Ahana's probably talked about a lot too, is sometimes a client is not a good fit. So if you're a VA or you're even a coach and you have clients under you and you know they're not a good fit, red flags, release them. Bless and release. <laughs> so it goes both ways. Uh, and then I, I haven't seen any questions, but I am, uh, I am, free to answer questions about this. We're going to talk about funnels in a minute. That's my next topic. But if you have any questions about the whole hiring process and VAs, um, you know, I'm here to answer those questions. You can also reach out to me. I'm in the Facebook group, the TSIH Facebook group. So you can tag me in there if you want. Um, and then Hannah had a couple of comments. We've never done it. That's the international VA, Hannah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to read because um, Christy shared something on the Facebook group and she shared just on the international VAs. I've, I've never personally done it because I've always hired for, I suppose, mm, 
for me, hires, it, my, my number one metric was never who's the cheapest. My number one metric was who feels in most value alignment to the business. Mm. Um, that's how I've made all of my choices. But Christy does make an important point of which I have very little experience with. But she says, an important thing to note, it's all about how you treat and you care for people, regardless of where in the world and the money associated um, from a personal experience in an entrepreneur's, um, oh, I can't say that word, business, we had an absolutely incredible team in, in Asia, but because of the exchange rate, they were, they were treated differently, we, um, but they mm. were absolutely fantastic. We also had atrociously costly. Christy, you've thrown those words in that for me, being dyslexic, <laughs> Um, that did not care and did not know the business from more recognized places in the US, for example. Uh, following the energy flow is so important as in the school of IH teachings. I think there's, I think that the, the main thing to take from here, or maybe Sharon, you can speak to this, it's not about the country, it's about value alignment. And it's also about yeah. like, for me, it's like how dedicated are these people gonna be to the business? Because for me, this isn't a hobby. So if I had team members, I don't care where they are in the world and they weren't doing what they're meant to do, that they're like, that's good. That's, that's a problem, isn't it? Right. Um, right. And I actually do have experience. I worked, this is so random. Okay. When I lived in India, I hmm. worked in the marketing sector for an American skincare. Oh, wow. So strange. I don't know how it happened, but that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, they worked so hard and they did this an extraordinary job. So I think it's important, again, to know that it's not country. It's it's why are you hiring? Are you hiring because it's the cheapest option, right? Or actually genuinely hiring because these are human beings that I want to work with. And I think that that's a matter irrespective of money or, or country. I don't know if you've got anything to share on that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. There's been times where I have worked with like a Philippine VA and they were charging $10 an hour and they were so valuable to me. I actually raised their rate. I gave them more money than what they asked for because they were so valuable to me. So I rewarded that just because I live in the Philippines doesn't mean I can't pay them the same rate as somebody else on the team that's doing the same job. So I've done that quite frequently and just, um, you know, it's their lifestyle, you know, and they don't get healthcare. They don't, you know, and they're a lot of times they're supporting a huge family. So even though they're $10 an hour or $3 an hour, that's still a great living wage for them, but it's a living wage. And I want my team members to feel honored, respected and valued for their contribution. And if that means more money, then that's what I have to do, especially for the overseas ones. Yeah. I don't overpay though, but I want it to be a fair, more than a fair wage. Because there's a line here. There's a line between underpaying and overpaying. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's Be careful. The fine line, and that's a conversation to be had. And that's where I recommend, you know, at some stage that you get a bookkeeper and, and stuff. Because I know Christy comes from more of a business background. I come from, you know, being naked on the beach, bumbling around. Like, I, no business background, right? So for me, hiring experts in all areas has been an absolute godsend. Because I actually have not had experience there. Um. I think there's something to be said, though, for wanting to hire the best people or the right people for the job, not the cheapest people. I think if your number one metric for hiring is who wants, who can I pay the least? Like, yeah. you might strike gold, but that's not a, a, a philosophy that I partake with, to be honest, or I agree with. Right. And I think it's all a little bit of mindset, too, is if you're trying to get a better deal on your team members and undercut them and, and pay them less, that's going to resonate with your clients, too. Your clients are going to try and get a deal from you and get a cheaper price and things like that, too. So you have to be in integrity with what you pay because you want people to be in integrity with what they pay you as well. So that's another thing. Do you agree on that, Anna? Yeah, because I'm selling, you know, 100K offers. So. <laughs> Right. And this, this, so to speak to what, you know, Kareen mentioned, brand isn't just what you see visually. It's like, is that, are you actually running everything in integrity to your values, morals of the brand, right? And so yes. that's down to how you treat, and we're human beings, okay? So I want to be really clear. It's like, there's lots of things that I see in myself in leadership that I'm like, I could improve that. 
but it's not about being perfect. It's about being honest with yourself. And, and as you go up different levels of business, you're going to see different shadow qualities. Like it's a human shadow to be greedy. It's a human shadow to be scared of the next paycheck. It's a human shadow to put yourself in front of others, right? And so what does that mean? That means that everyone has got that within themselves, right? And so it's not about blaming yourself or, you know, having this horrible relationship with yourself. It's like, okay, can I slowly look at these parts of my psyche that don't benefit the business, that don't benefit my life that maybe don't benefit my employees and constantly look at improving and that's what I believe in to be honest and I think that's an ever unfolding process as I'm sure it's been for you because you've been in this for a a lot more years than I 21 years you know I've had this yeah I mean I'm always growing I'm always taking classes and learning new things new technology and things like that because you know, you don't want to get stale either, you know, and, and that's one of my, my huge values. Um, I think it's my first one, learn, be connected and beauty. Those are my values. And so I'm always learning. That's so important to me um, because I want to stay on top of trends and I want to just bring the most recent stuff to my clients, test them out. So learn is a huge value for me. So I'm always growing and learning. So, yeah. Yeah. And everyone that's listening to this is going to have a different value set. And I think from how many trainings that you get in the school on such wide topics, value, growth, learning, like, and so that's something that would be important for me when hiring, you know, I know that Sharon, this was a big thing because this was one of my limiting beliefs. When I hired you, Sharon, I was scared that you wouldn't get what I was doing. Do you know what I mean? And I think told you didn't I I said I think I told you that I was worried that what I was doing was weird or da 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 and then you (laughs) showed me and you said you know I do these trainings I've signed up to you know Gabby Bernstein's meditation and that for me is something that I take note of because I'm like oh we get each other so we're speaking the same language and I think it's really that creates connection and understanding and safety and all of these things that maybe people don't talk about in practical team trainings, but mean a lot, right? Yeah. And I, I thrive working with people like you because I learn a whole different thing. You know, even though I have some same values, I meditate every morning, you know, just different things like that. I understand what you're doing and I believe in it. You want to have team members that believe in what you do. Otherwise, they're not going to care. They're not going to do a good job. So um, I think that's so important too. And I've worked with way weirder people than you. (laughs) (laughs) I think one was a pet psychic. Yeah, it's, they're all out there and they make money and they need help, but yeah. So yeah. That is exactly what I need in my life. I actually call a pet psychic. I'm not even joking. (laughs) They're out there. Awesome. Okay. Any, any other questions? I don't see any. Okay. Well, let me start talking about funnels because that's one of the reasons why Hannah also um, hired me with my experience with funnels. My team, my business is funnelsrs.com. Um, that's what we work on. That's what we thrive in. Because pretty much everything in your business is a funnel. And so just to kind of tell you what is a funnel, a marketing funnel describes your customer's journey with you from the initial stages when someone learns about your business to the purchasing stage. So I almost call it like a ladder, an ascension type model where they stop at the bottom and maybe they, they see Hannah on Instagram and they see her manifest with ease free offer and they sign up for that. So they've entered the marketing funnel at that point. And then we send um, Hannah talking about a program or an intensive that's coming up. And they're like, oh, that sounds interesting. I love to manifest with ease. I want to do the embodied CEO or whatever. And so they go up the ladder uh, and eventually they may reach to that, um, you know, $120,000 private coaching with you, Hannah. But it's, it's an ascension model and you want to keep having them go up that ladder and learn more and more from you. So that's ideally what you want. Um, And I want to talk about the five levels in a typical marketing funnel. And then we're going to talk about life cycle marketing. So awareness, that's when you make your buyers aware of your product as a solution to a specific pain point or problem. And you've got consideration. They're considering your solution instead of your competitors. Conversion, they make the purchase. (laughs) They find out about you, they're thinking about it, and then they, they pull the trigger and they actually buy something from you. And then 
you want to be engaged with them. You want to stay top of mind with a customer post-purchase. Maybe you see something, they buy a program and you think another program might be great for them. Upsell them, you know, let them know about that other program. And then advocacy is when customers become authentic brand advocates and recommend you to others. That's like the ultimate. They've worked with you. They love you. They can, they can talk about your business better than you can. <laughs> so those are the five levels of a typical marketing funnel. And then we're going to talk about life cycle. This is the life of the customer. So initially, they're just a lead. You're collecting leads. You're targeting them, maybe Facebook ads or uh, Instagram lives or whatever you're doing. You're targeting them and you're attracting them to your business. And then you capture the lead. So um, one thing that we do is when people join the, the free Facebook group, the Integrative Healers, we capture their information and we put them on our mailing list and we give them free things to start out. So we are engaging. We're in the second step at that point, converting those clients. We're engaging with them. We're giving them offers and we close the deal. We get them to that purchase stage. And then you create fans, which is very similar to the advocacy. You deliver a great product. You have great onboarding. You have a great program that impresses them. And then they tell all their friends about it. So this is what we call lifecycle marketing. It's the life of a customer when they come into your business. So I wanted to address that. It's a little bit different than a funnel. Um, but collecting leads, that's where the funnels start. And so I wanted to talk about different types of funnels that are out there. There are email funnels. Email funnels are when you um, send emails to your list and you tell them about different programs or things that are coming up. We do a lot of email funnels um, because we have a lot of free events and things like that. So email funnels are that. Video funnels, uh, that's kind of similar to a webinar. Maybe you want to uh, get people interested in what you do. So you create a video, you create a blog post, and then you send traffic there and you want to follow up. You want to have a call to action under the video. Schedule a call with me. That's the type of funnel. Probably the two most important um, funnels that I see here or that are most used are webinar funnels and lead magnet funnels. So webinar is just what it sounds like. Um, you have a webinar, you invite people to it. You have a webinar system. Maybe you use Zoom and you deliver the webinar live. You have reminder emails to get everybody on there on time. You follow up with them. Um, there's always a call to action in the webinar. You schedule a call with me or buy this $27 product or this $200 product, whatever it might be. Uh, and then you do the follow-up and you do the sales email. So that's a webinar funnel. You, you walk them through that. You get them to say they're interested in this topic get them to show up on the webinar, that's really hard sometimes, and then follow up with them. And Lead Magnet is uh, what I was talking about. The Manifest with Ease is a course that we have as a Lead Magnet funnel. And they call it a Lead Magnet because it attracts people to your business and it gives them something for free. So that's what a Lead Magnet is. Um, and you generally have the whole funnel again where they opt in for something they get whatever they opted in for. You follow up. You say, hey, if you love this, maybe you'll like that. Um, so that's the lead magnet funnel. Live demo funnel is more appropriate for like if you're selling SaaS software as a service, but you want to demonstrate what you do um, so people can get an idea of it. It's like when you go to Costco and you see those late, I don't know if you guys have Costco's in Europe, but um, you go to Costco and they have all the samples. And a lot of times there'll be a sample. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound very good, but I'm going to try it. And I love it. And I go buy it. So that's kind of the live demo funnel. And then landing page funnels are just pages where you want people to opt in for your newsletter or, you know, it's a little bit more involved than just a lead magnet funnel. Maybe there's videos on the page. It's just more involved. And then something that's super important, I think, and don't ever forget this step, is program delivery funnels, client onboarding. So when you join TSIH, um, you got an email, you got uh, information about getting your hair tested, um, you knew when the calls were start were, were going to be happening, how to get access to your materials, so important. So make sure that it's automated as well. So when someone buys something from us, they immediately get go into our system. We tag them so we know exactly what they bought. They go into a program delivery funnel for that particular program. They get all their materials. They know how to um, log in, access, where should they start. Some of our programs like Energetic Accelerator, 
you get an email every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for a month. And that's all handled in that program delivery funnel as well. You don't want anything in these funnels um, by hand because that's when things fall through the cracks. And then free event funnels, um, that could be in-person events, that could be online events. It maybe isn't necessarily a webinar, maybe it's just a, um, you know, when we launched the new customer hub, we had a hub launch party. You know, that's a free event funnel. So we got people to opt in, they got to see the, the new customer hub and everything that we had in there. Uh, and it was really cool. So those are the different types of funnels. Does anybody have any questions about those or have any that I missed that I might not have mentioned? I'd love to know. We'll just wait a second, see if anybody has any. But I think I covered them all. <laughs> so there's so many. So, okay, no questions. So now we're gonna talk about the tech tools. Now, you have to have tech um, when you're in an online business. You just can't do everything by hand. And that's what I mean, automation and things like that. So I made a list of, the tools that Hani uses. And then I'm also gonna give you a list on the next slide of other tools that are comparable that maybe aren't as expensive, or if you're just starting out and you don't need Keep uh, or different things like that. So we use Keep, it's our email marketing, e-commerce and CRM system. It has everything in one, which is what we really love about it. Um, Cause we can send emails, we can sell things, we can make notes. We also have an affiliate, um, part in there that we also use. There's different levels of keep. Um, so that's what we use for that. Customer Hub is where we have our member portal. That's where all your TSIH um, program materials are. Um, it's really a great tool. It's easy to use. I absolutely love it. And it integrates seamlessly with keep. Um, so that's a good tool. Zapier, kind of a weird name, but it is a tool that makes everything talk to each other. So maybe you're using different systems. Uh, and so you need to say when somebody does this in this system, something needs to happen in this other system. So Zapier does that. Stripe, um, we use that to process payments. DocuSign is our contract software because if you join TSIH, you sign a contract and we automate that. So it sends it out right away. We also use Facebook a lot. And I should have put Instagram in here as well. That's where we do a lot of our marketing and Hannah's doing her lives and she's connecting and engaging with everyone that follows her. So that's a really important tool. And we use Google, um, we use G Suite for our emails, we use Google Drive, all the different things that Google offers. We use Group Collector, which is kind of an unusual tool, not a lot of people know about it, but anytime that somebody joins the Integrative Healers Facebook group, it automates the information so we can, we ask you questions. So it actually puts the question answers that you put in when you join uh, into a spreadsheet so we know those answers, otherwise they just go, bye-bye, you never see it again. It does that and then it adds you to keep uh, and then we give you the access to manifest with ease automatically. So group collector is really important for us so that we capture that data and get you guys what we promised when you joined the free Facebook group. Hana also uses Linktree. That's a thing in Instagram where you can customize, um, you know, in the Instagram bio, you can have a link there. Well, you want to link it to your Linktree because then you can have a bunch of different links. Whereas uh, Instagram only allows you to have one link in the bio. So Linktree is really important. Plus, this is another tool that we use to integrate um, Keep with other things like add to calendar options, automatically enrolling somebody in a Zoom webinar um, so they don't have to go to the register page, all kinds of stuff like that. This is very full featured and it works with Keep and I think Active Campaign. And then of course we use Zoom, we're using it now. We use it for videos, online meetings and webinars, trainings, everything like that. So that's what we use for HANA. And I'm sure there's more. Those are just the main ones that I, we use QuickBooks Online for bookkeeping, you know, different things like that. And then here's some other tools. Um, some of the tools HANA uses are expensive, but we look at the cost of hiring people uh, instead of doing what the tool can use. And it's always less expensive to get a tool to automate things. And like I said earlier, just be sure not everything is automated. Personal attention is always important. So maybe you have your onboarding funnel all set up and you've got everything in there and the emails and everything going out, but a phone call from someone to welcome someone to the group or post in Facebook uh, is really important, welcoming them to the group and things like that. So not everything should be automated. I just want to make that point. But some other tools that we use that you can use that I've used in the past uh, for email marketing app to campaign is a really great one. 
ConvertKit, and all of these are .com, of course. So ActiveCampaign.com, ConvertKit, SamCart is a really cool tool. It does email marketing and payment processing, and I think it can do landing pages. So it almost does the same things as Keep. MailChimp is great for starting out, but you want to upgrade quickly. It's not as sophisticated. It'll get your emails out, but it's not great. Then we've got Flowdesk, which is also email marketing. And we used that a long time before we switched over to Keep. And then HANA also has used Thrivecard in the past. It's got order forms, payment processing, also does affiliate. So those are some cool tools. And then a couple that I remembered after I did this list, of course, um, my team is also uh, certified in Go High Level, which is a great tool, which is very, very similar to Keep. And then we use Canva a lot for our graphic creation. So those are some of the tools that um, I recommend in addition to the one that HANA uses. And that's it. Any questions on anything that, um, any of the tools or, and if you do have questions, again, feel free to reach out to me in the TSIH Facebook group. I'm happy to answer any questions at any time or even talk to you on the phone. Um, if you're looking for an OBM, I can guide you on what to look for. I'm happy to help it at any time. So any questions at all? Are we, okay, I don't see any questions in Zoom or in Facebook. So Hana, anything else you want to add or wrap it up? Um, we could start wrapping it up. I'm going to open um, the questions 